Good morning. Today is Monday, March 28th, 2022. In general, we are so reluctant to learn from our mistakes. But the truth is that our mistakes can be our best teachers. They can give us the most valuable lessons if only we let them. But often the problem is we become defensive, we become embarrassed, and it is so hard to receive constructive criticism, even when it is meant in the best way. And it is so hard to offer constructive criticism that a person can really listen to and say, I know that person wants what's best for me. I should pay attention to their words. It's just a very, very difficult subject. And we need to try. Because in fact, that is what is happening in this week's Torah portion. Now, as we learn this week's Torah portion, the Parsha of Tazria, it's hard not to roll your eyes as you read this week's Parsha. You really mean to tell me people's skin color changes, their patches in the skin and the hair. It's something that we never heard about, something that we've never seen. And then you're telling me, Patches of discoloration can come on a person's garment and then on a person's home. There can be splotches. It just sounds so strange because we do not have this. This whole structure of what the parasha describes only existed when the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, was standing in Jerusalem. So we haven't even had this for 2,000 years. And it just sounds so weird and so strange. Spots appearing on skin and hair turning white in the middle of dark hair. So our sages explained that the first thing is that this is not leprosy. Leprosy is the way this condition, saras, is often translated. It's not leprosy, but it is a spiritual sin that a person commits relating to Lashon Hara, speaking negatively to someone else that causes a change in the person's physical appearance on their skin or their clothing or the walls of their house. If you think about it, the children's story written in the 1800s, Pinocchio, borrows from this idea where a character flaw in this little boy, in this case, telling a lie, shows up in a physical manner that is visible. And of course, that gives him the impetus to be better and to get his appearance back to normal. And that's exactly what the Rambam explains. The Rambam says that though we may think of this, we may read this, first of all, we may just skip over it or we may ignore it. But if we read it seriously, we may just think this is so it's barbaric, it's, it's, it's uh, pagan, it's, uh, it's, it's crude. Um, the Rambam says that this was a system of divine kindness. It was a system of constructive criticism to us. 
And this is God giving us a loving message. And the message is, my dear child, be careful before you speak. You may not even have realized it, but your words cause pain. Your words separated one person from another. You may not even realize it. But you, God says to us, when this saras appears on us, you need to be more careful so you don't cause harm again. And so let me show you a sign to indicate that you have had this lapse and this is something you need to work on fixing. Accept this constructive criticism because it's being given with love. It's being given so that you'll be a better person. It's being given so that our society will be a harm more harmonious society. Please accept this. Don't withstand and be defensive. Accept the message with love because it's being given with love. The truth is, as strange as it seems, we are impoverished today not to have tsaras as we have not had it over the last 2,000 years. Can you imagine what the world would be like if we would get some kind of immediate visible feedback on the impact our words are having on someone else, positive and negative? And, of course, if we were convinced that that feedback, that constructive criticism was coming from one who loves us, one who is not jealous of us, one who only wants what's best from us, one who is God. Near the beginning of my career, over 35 years ago, we lived in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I did some research on Hansen's disease. That's the name of this illness that is widely known as leprosy. There was a place in Louisiana near Baton Rouge named Carville, which at that time was called a leper colony which in itself was a terrible name for such a thing. It's no longer in operation. Clearly, when you study this week's Parsha and you study the actual disease, there is no connection between the physical ailment of Hansen's disease and Saras that is described in our Parsha. And the truth is that this confusion or mistranslation or However, this identification came back, misidentification came about is a great shame of history because many, many people suffered and were shunned and, were, and lived lives of pain and suffering because people made the mistake that somehow this disease, which was purely a Medical disease, Hansen's disease, it's a virus. And it can be treated now, we know, with some kind of biblical punishment meant to indicate the person was, was uh, 
undeserving, sinful, to be pushed away, cause so much unnecessary suffering, and it's so much against what the Torah is actually teaching. Rabbi Shamshur Folhersh in his commentary points out that it's clear that saras is not any kind of physical ailment. First of all, because we know the Torah says when a person is suffering from a physical ailment, they're required to go to a doctor. The Torah says, Verapo yerape, and the physician shall heal. It's a fundamental concept. A person has a physical condition. They are required to seek medical help. And yet this person with this condition does not go to a doctor. He goes to a Kohen. A Kohen has no medical experience. A Kohen has expertise in holiness. And there are many, many other details throughout our Parsha of what Saras looked like and how it would be uh, adjudicated and what would happen as a result of it that clearly indicated it is not a physical disease. It's nothing to do with transmitting uh, some type of illness from one person to another. Nothing, nothing like that. Rather, it is the symptom in a physical manner of a spiritual ailment. It's a notification in a visible manner that a person has violated the laws of the Shon Hara, of speaking negatively about others. And therefore, if you get Saras, you have to appear before the Kohen for spiritual healing for the sin of speaking negatively about others. Now, there is one verse in the Parsha that has a curious extra word. The Torah says, such a person who believes they have such a mark on their body, and that person shall be brought to Aharon the Kohen. Now, of course, the first Kohen, the first Kohen Gadol was Aharon, Moshe's brother. He was the Kohen at that time when these laws were originally given. But these laws applied during the entire history, over a thousand years of the temple of the Beit HaMikdash being in order in Jerusalem. person could go to any Kohen. Why mention going to Aharon Kohen? I want to share with you an answer that's based on the writing of Rabbi Dr. Abraham Tversky. You know, when we talk about Lashon Hara, negatively speaking about another person, we often make a mistake. If one person says to you, uh, you shouldn't say that, that's Lashon Hara. Very often, we may respond, no, that's not Lashon Hara. It's true. But in fact, there are two types of prohibited speech. There's libel, which is referred to as motzi shemra, which is to say something that is not true about another person. That's a separate prohibition. And then there's motzi she and then there's lashon hara. Lashon hara is gossip. Lashon hara means what you said is true. That is lashon hara. Now, 
as we've discussed before. Sometimes there's an exception when you're allowed or required to say something about someone else that is negative to prevent them, to prevent somebody else from coming to harm because of them, to prevent them from getting a job or a match where they might cause danger or harm to someone else. If you're testifying in court, you have to tell the truth. If there is some overriding constructive purpose for which you need to say what is actually true, but otherwise, simply to say something negative about someone else, that is Lashon Hara. That's negative speech. In other words, explains the Chinuch, Rabbi Aharon of Barcelona, truth is not always the highest value. Sefer Achinuch explains this mitzvah as follows. Hashem chafetz betovas abrios asher bora. God wants every creature that he has created to be happy. V'tivonu bezekedei liyos sholom beinenu. And God prohibited l'shon hara, negative speech, in order that there should be peace between us. Because when we gossip about each other, when we say negative things about each other, it's a reason for dissonance, disharmony, and arguments. Just because something is true does not always make it a reason to say it. The irony is that Aharon, the brother of Moshe, is specifically known to us in connection with a certain lack of truthfulness. The Mishnah tells us that Aharon had a quality, Ohevis Abrios, he loved people. How did he express his love of people? The Talmud tells us of a kind of scenario that would occur and that Aharon would engage in. Aharon would notice there were two people who were arguing and he would try to bring them to reconciliation, to bring peace where there was strife. So he would go over to one of the fellows and he would say, you know, you know, the other guy, he feels so bad about what happens. He really wants to come over to apologize to you, but you know, he has an ego, he's proud, he's worried he's going to embarrass himself, but he really wants to apologize. Then he'd go to the other person and he'd say, you know, that other guy, he really wants to apologize. He can't bring himself to do it because he's a bit of an auction, he's, a, he's stubborn, and he thinks it would show weakness, but the truth is he really feels bad and he really wants to apologize. And then one day, these two men would just simply happen to meet each other in the street and they would embrace each other with love and reconciliation because they had understood that each one wanted to apologize. No one could take the first step, but they were embracing and it was all over. Asks the Talmud, hold on one second. But Aharon, you didn't tell the truth. That fellow never said he wanted to apologize. That fellow never said he was sorry. 
you made it up. You were lying. Each time you told that story one to the other, that was a complete fabrication. How could you lie? And the Talmud says, this is a category of behavior called Mishana Mibnea Shalom. Under certain circumstances, it is permissible to lie in order to bring about peace. Now, of course, certain circumstances, not when lying will cause harm, not when it will cause a loss, not when there is an objective need for the truth. If you're writing a review for a, for a, a magazine, for a restaurant, you have to write a true review. If you're testifying in court, you have to tell the truth. That's not the place for you to try to intercede your idea of peace. Testifying in court's got to be the truth. If your job is to write a critic, uh, 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 to be a restaurant critic, and you go to the restaurant and people are reading this and they're going to decide whether to spend a lot of money to go to the restaurant, you have to write the truth. But if you're invited over for a Shabbos meal and your host says to you, did you like the soup? You should say, of course I like the soup. I love the soup. In fact, if you wouldn't mind, I would like a second bowl. That's Mishanem Ibn Hashalom. And that's what Aharon practiced. And that's why a person with Tzaras had to confront Aharon specifically. And if not Aharon the person, then the legacy of Aharon. Because Aharon understood that what's most important about words sometimes is not how truthful they are, but how much peace they engender. And that was the problem that was caused by this person who had saras. We cause so much pain with the words that we use. The only way to change that is to be careful, to think before we speak. I want to share something with you, one last story. I've shared this before. It's an incredible story. It's something that needs to be reviewed all the time. One of the great giants of our time who was particularly careful about the way that they spoke and the sensitivity with which they spoke is a great teacher, a great man, Rabbi Avraham Pam. A teacher, a scholar in New York. And he often talked about in public to his students taking care and speaking not to use inflammatory words, always to be respectful. He would say, if you're speaking in public, don't ever use the word stupid. Don't ever use the word crazy. It's not, it's not right to use not nice words. And then he said, there's another word, another objectionable word that you should never use. Whatchamacallit. Whatchamacallit. 
So afterwards, the students were sitting together discussing what their Rebbe had said, and, and, and they were puzzled because, okay, don't use the word stupid, don't use the word crazy, but whatchamacallit is not a bad word. It's not, people use that word, whatchamacallit. So a group of them went over to Rapam and they said, Rebbe, please explain it to us. We don't understand. What is so bad about using the word whatchamacallit? And Rapam said, let me explain. Why does a person use this word? Because they don't think before they start to talk. And they think as the words are coming out of their mouth. And they come to a word that they can't remember. So they say, whatchamacallit. But it's used because we started talking before we thought about which words we were going to use. And Rapam said, you have to train yourself to think before you speak, to choose your words before you use them. And when you choose your words before you use them, and you have considered that they are the correct and proper and respectful words to use, and you've made that decision before you open your mouth, then there are no whatchamacallits. And then we can be assured that our language and our speech will bring peace and not, God forbid, take it away. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.